It's the Americhicks with Kim Munson. The most important story. That seems to me like government is establishing a religion. The latest in politics and world affairs. If you give people rights, women's rights, gay rights, whatever, there can't be equal rights if there's special rights. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Surveys show that, that people still really prefer freedom versus force. It's the Americhicks dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome, I am Kim Munson, and we have a very important show planned for you again today. We'll be going through headlines in segments one and two, and segments three and four, uh, continuing on with the Gallagher Amendment. Uh, that is an amendment that was put into the Constitution of, the, of Colorado by the people of Colorado back in 1982. And it was put in place to keep a fair and affordable property tax here in Colorado for residents. And uh, we'll be talking with uh, former state senator, Democrat Ron Stewart. He, with Dennis Gallagher and three other Democrat senators, crafted this amendment. And it's important that we understand it. There is going to be an all-out assault to try to, to get rid of the Gallagher Amendment, which, again, keeps property taxes affordable and fair. And uh, there's going to be an assault on Tabor, uh, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, which was a, co- a constitutional amendment that was put in 10 years later, again, by the people of Colorado, that basically says to PBIs, I'm calling them, politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties, hey, just have the good manners to ask us if you want to increase our taxes, incur debt that we have to pay off, or if you want to keep our tax refunds above a very generous formula of population plus inflation. And there's going to be an assault on these things. And so we're putting together shows so that you can understand it and that you can talk with your friends and your family uh, and your your colleagues about how important all these things are. Ultimately, the question on the table is freedom versus force, force versus freedom. There is a romance of socialism these days. Socialism is force. And it's never compassionate to take other people's rights, property, or freedom via force, whether it's with a weapon, its policy, or unpredictable and excessive taxation. And for all of these quote-unquote do-gooders, you felt good, but did you do good? And as we're seeing as socialization, this, this movement towards socializing, transportation, education, energy, housing, water, all of those key things that, uh, that when they're free... It, it, not free to people, but but free to move about, or that we're making sure that we have freedom of choice in education, that we are, are making sure public policy on energy is working to provide affordable, efficient, and reliable energy for people, to make housing affordable <clears throat> right here in Colorado. We talked with Randall O'Toole, and he said, in the Denver metro area, rules and regulations contribute to 50% of the cost of new housing. So if we are really serious about wanting to make housing more affordable, then we would reduce those rules and regulations. But then the PBIs, the the politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties, no longer have the power to make all those decisions, and they can no longer... uh, I think there's also money that follows that power. And, of course, water. You know, we can be creative about our water to make sure that we have water for everyone. 
And so these are key things that we need to talk about. And uh, we talk about these every morning so that we can help you hopefully get your brain around these. And for most of you, hopefully you know this: the show is replayed from 10 to 11 p.m. Uh, every uh, Monday through Friday as well. Before we get into it, though, uh, being grateful for things is, is very important. If you're grateful, you can't be a victim. And I am very grateful to our producer, Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, and Charlie for all your support and your good work. And thank you to each of you listeners. I love hearing from you. Each of you, you're valued, you're treasured, and you have a purpose today. And always, I like to say thank you to the Harris family for sponsoring the Federalist Papers. And thank you for Liberty Oilfield Services for uh, sponsoring the Health and Hydrocarbon Show when we do that. Uh, Steve, first of all, yesterday we had Dennis Gallagher on, talked about the Gallagher Amendment. And my good friend Bob from Michigan sent a text as we were talking about the, the national debt and what we're passing on to the next generation. Uh, I've said, you know, generations before us put blood and treasure on the line to pass on freedom and opportunity. Our generation is passing on a big fat IOU. And uh, this is what Bob said. He said, the analogy I always use is that our generation is going to a five-star restaurant every day and then telling the next generation to pick up the tab, tab and leave a good tip as so, uh, so that we don't look bad. That pretty well nails it, Steve. I like that. That's... Uh... <laughs> I'm into word pictures. I've always been into word pictures, uh, you know, from early on. And that's just a great way to, to take the essence of what is being said. And uh, that's a great word picture right there. Yeah, I think we'll have to keep that. So thank you to Bob in Michigan for that. Uh, our inspiration for today, our, our quote, I, there's a guy, Arthur Godfrey. If you're not our age, you may not remember him, but he was an American radio and television broadcaster an entertainer who was sometimes introduced by his nickname, the old redhead. And he said, I know how I like to be treated. So I always start by saying, could you give me a moment of your time? I know you're very busy and usually people will. And I have a friend that every time we start a conversation on the phone, she always asks me that, my friend Barbara. And uh, it's just good manners. I need to do that more often. Steve, I normally jump in and, and, you know, have all these things that I want to say. But I thought that that was a good little tidbit of inspiration for us as we uh, go about our day. Yeah. Uh, in my working days, in my career, it, you you get a sense when you're part of a team which people that you can you, you, you create a better bond with when they when you know right up front that they're they know that you've got your things to do as well. And, and that goes also well, uh, fits well in church life too, because I certainly had uh, situations where you're already holding 10 things and the person comes up to you and hands you number 11 with, with <laughs> yeah. no consideration of what you already had gone. Yeah. And it's just good manners. You know, back when Wilbur Wilberforce was, was working to get rid of the British slave trade, it took him 20 years but another thing he was very concerned about was that many Brits had bad manners, that we needed, they needed to get back to good manners. I think that we are faced with that in our country today as well. And, you know, it went back to the 60s. We're going to be talking about the 60s here, here today. And that was where women, the feminist movement, said, you know, you, you were very rude to people if they opened the door. It was just a courtesy. And then guys were like, should I open the door? Should I open the door? There's just a courtesy that, that um, a good society has. And we are seeing the breakdown of society with these shootings 
And uh, I think that this can stem back to a lot of the things that started back in the 60s. But before we do this, I wanted I, the funnies. I am always trying to find something kind of themed with our show, and we're talking about taxes. And the Hollywood actor Errol Flynn said, my problem lies in reconciling my gross habits with my net income. I thought that pretty well said it, Steve. Well, yeah, I saw that earlier in the uh, show layout, and I, 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 I'm going to confess, I didn't really get that one. Uh, so put put it out there, extrapolate that a little bit. Okay, what I think is is what he's saying is that his, you know, the things that he wants to do and pay for in life that he hasn't necessarily had enough money to do that, and so he's having trouble reconciling what's what he wants to do in life and spend his money on and how much money he actually makes. And I think that that's, so that's how that got my funny Okay, bow. all right. Good one. Yeah, all okay. right. Okay. Hey, um, first thing, I've been thinking a lot about this. I flew into San Francisco recently, and I flew into, there's a brand new terminal that was opened uh, at the end of July, and it is absolutely beautiful. And I uh, walked down the terminal. It's the Harvey Milk uh, Terminal. And many of you may know Harvey Milk and Mayor Moscone were uh, shot and killed by, uh, well, I should back up. Harvey Milk was a uh, city supervisor in San Francisco, which is like city councilman. And a fellow city councilman had uh, resigned from his position, and he wanted to get his position back. And apparently Mayor Moscone had initially promised him, it was like with all within a week, and uh, uh, my understanding is is that Harvey Milks was encouraging the mayor not to um, reinstitute this guy. I think his name was Dan White. And uh, so Dan White was getting very agitated about it. He wanted to, his job back as a city supervisor. And he ended up shooting and killing Mayor Moscone as well as Harvey Milk. Now, Harvey Milk was uh, a gay, uh, probably the first gay elected uh, politician in the United States. I, from what I can gather, uh, Dan White did not shoot him because he was gay, uh, but because uh, he was having this disagreement with Mayor Moscone, and he happened to walk walk in and and see, uh, walking down the hall, and had his gun and, and shot Harvey Milk as well. And uh, then I think there were some other things that happened regarding. Uh, his defense it was kind of goofy. He said that he had binged on uh, junk food th- the night before, and that's why he ended up shooting these people, and he didn't get as uh, much time in, in uh, jail or in prison as people thought. And so there was all kinds of different things going on there. Okay, so let's put that aside. But this, this uh, terminal in San Francisco, I mean, the wall is probably... I don't know. I'm going to have to take a look. 200 feet, 250 feet long. And it deifies Harvey Milk. And there's huge pictures of him. And what he stands for is the gay movement in America. And, you know, I don't know any place, Steve, in America where we have recently deified you know, anybody like this. I mean, it was absolutely astounding. And if you go, there's a San Francisco, um, let's see, is this this, I have it, SF Gate. There's actually a picture of the terminal, and it is absolutely amazing. I mean, it's, it's almost Mao-like or Leninist or, or Stalin as far as, you know, like big statues and all. And I, I was 
you know, I was like, wow, this is really interesting when I'm thinking on the other hand, San Francisco is paying uh, um, money to paint over a mural of George Washington about his life that is at a public school. And it was a mural that once was seen as educational and innovative, but is now con- considered or criticized as racist and degrading for its depiction of black and Navy, Native American people. It's, um, you know, I'm not saying, I don't think as you look at the mural of George Washington that that it's painting it all in just this deifying light. It looks more to me like looking at history. Whereas with this whole thing with Harvey Milk in Terminal 1, it looks like they're deifying him. And so I was thinking about this because this is such a difficult subject to talk about. On a micro level, you know, many of us have friends that are are gay or we have friends whose children are gay. And so, and on a micro level, you know, we care about each and every individual and what people do, you know, that is, that's their choice. And what I do is my choice. And, you know, so it's not my business really what other people doing on a micro level. But on a macro level, as a country, as we are using money, there was clearly significant public dollars that have gone in to deify Harvey Milk, which I submit to you that the LGBTQ uh, movement has become, on the macro level, a religion. And when the founders said in the Constitution that Congress shall make no law, um, pushing forward a religion, I think that also means uh, public dollars pushing forward a religion. I think that that is what we are seeing with this whole Terminal 1 at San Francisco International Airport. And the other thing I was trying to think about is is over here with, with Harvey Milk, they are deifying um, a, a movement that is saying you can do whatever you want to do. Whereas with George Washington and the whole American idea that we would put a government in place to protect people's rights, their life, their liberty, and their pursuit of happiness, that put in place that people could be whatever they want to be. And I think that that is a key distinction. And Steve, I know we need to go go to break. When we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit more about this because I think that this is maybe the essence of what happened in the 60s and I submit to you what start what happened in the 60s where the movement came to be you can do whatever you want to do instead of you can be whatever you can, can be is now playing out in our society. So let's go to break, Steve. When we come back, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Looking for an awesome place to host your draft party? Look no further than Hooters. With tons of TVs, free Wi-Fi, world-famous wings, and ice-cold beer, you're probably thinking, it doesn't get any better than that. But wait, at Hooters, it does. Every fantasy league gets a free draft kit and over $200 in Hooters swag. Join us for fantasy football done Hooters style. Book now at Hooters.com slash football. That's Hooters.com slash football. See you at Hooters. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. 
Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the Americhicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And now introducing Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the Americhicks would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland for sponsoring the new Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins. In Denver and Castle Rock, Kim would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Denver and YourTownTaxpayers.com for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back. I'm Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks, where we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, we need to be having some conversations. Steve, I, I put something out there before we went to break. Regarding the difference between Harvey Milk, who is being deified at ter- the new Terminal 1 in San Francisco International Airport, which is a beautiful term- terminal, and then San Francisco over on the other hand, uh, going to pro- probably pay $600,000 to have a mural that was, was painted in the 1930s, so a, a piece of history that they're going to have that painted over at a school, a, a public school in San Francisco. And so, you know, washing over history, instead of talking about history on one hand and deifying something on the other, and the question on the table, the two ideologies are, Harvey Milk stood for, you can do whatever you want to do, you know, on a physical level, where George Washington said you can be whatever you can, can want to be. And I think that is a key distinction. Steve, what do you think? $600,000? Uh, obviously, San Francisco has very deep pockets, this city must have. But uh, like you said, if they're not cleaning the streets from the uh, other is- issues that are going on out there, I guess that's where they come up with the money. But uh, in answer to your question, we... We've been watching this go down now for, what, five, six years, the sanitation of our history, removing statues and, and all those types of things because it doesn't fit the narrative that some people you know, want to have out there. I, What was the mantra of the 60s? If it feels good, do it, essentially, is what where Harvey Milk was coming from. And it really has nothing to do with uh, being you know, solid citizens uh, who have a a value, our, our history, what it is that makes us what what we are type of thing. So is this any really big surprise? Well, and just a key thing, I don't think that you're saying that gay people can are not uh, solid citizens. I don't, because on a mi- micro level, that is not what we're saying. Exactly. We're talking I mean, about this in a macro level. Yes, uh, and we're not... In, in terms of what goes on behind closed doors, that's that's not the issue here. This was a government representative uh, or a representative of the local government, and he was kind of being pretty loud and proud about something that really didn't have to be loud and proud. You know, what goes on behind closed doors, that's fine. But uh, government support and government proclamation is something a little bit different. And so, and so this was back in, I think, the 70s when he was, um, killed. So let's, pla- let's take this to where we are now. Let's look in Colorado. And this is, is the danger. When we start to, uh, when we start to give different groups special rights instead of equal rights, we get a problem. And so let's get to what happened with Jack Phillips. 
You know, he's the cake baker here in Colorado. And a gay couple, and this was before marriage was legalized, uh, gay marriage was legalized in Colorado. So this gay couple comes in, they ask Jack Jack to bake a cake celebrating their their gay marriage. He says, you know what, you know, I, I, that's not something that I can affirm. Uh, And so he declined. They go over to a commission, not an elected board, a commission, which again, big problem here, administrative state here in in America now. They go to a commission. The commission, unelected, says to Jack Phillips, either you do this. If you don't, then you can't bake any cakes, thereby taking away his property rights. And uh, it uh, took away, I think, about 50% of his business. So, my friends, you you may be celebrating, you, you know, that that whole thing with Jack Phillips, but what is put in place, I think, with Harvey Milk over here a long time ago, has put in place now a commission that if you don't affirm what this commission says, it can take away your business, meaning taking your property rights. Then you go back over to George Washington, and what their vision was as the founders was a limited government that that would protect us people's rights to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, and uh, that you could be whatever you want to be. And so here we have government saying that if Jack Phillips doesn't affirm what these other people do that he may disagree with, they use this uh, the force, their force, to take away his business. We talk about freedom versus force, force versus freedom. They want to force him to do something. If he says no, they forcibly take his business. We are in a dangerous time in America, and that is why we need to understand these foundational principles. I'm hoping I'm making sense, Steve, because I've been thinking a lot about it. Your thoughts? Well, it is a great illustration of, again, what is the narrative that that culture wants to put forward, and sometimes the narrative and our history don't line up. So what 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 suffers the consequence? Our history. And uh, I'm thinking of this. I, I think the mural that we're referring to in San Francisco is at a school. Did I hear that right? Correct. All right. So up and coming generations looking at this mural and certainly I hopefully someone over the years that it's been there has said, well, here's what this mural is depicting. Here's George Washington, the, you know, the major founder of the country. And, you know, I go right down the line with the historical perspectives, but all of a sudden we paint over it and we don't even talk about it anymore. At the same time, here's another pub, very public place, the San Francisco airport, and we've named a terminal after this person. And we, you know, like you said, that, that one particular picture don't, um, denotes the, the size of the exhibit. And you say, good grief. What, you know, we basically replace one with the other. Yeah. And instead, you know, at least let us have the competing ideologies being put forth so that we can have a conversation about it. And um, so, again, do we want to be a country that where we do whatever we want to do? I had a friend that just recently said that when she was lived in San Francisco, she went to, I think it's the erotic exotic ball on Halloween in San Francisco. And she said it was, it was actually, um, uh, she, she wanted to get out of there because people were exposing themselves, doing a variety of things. And so is that what we want is to be, doing whatever we want to do to have the right to do that or do we want to you know have a government that is put in place that is limited so that we can be 
whatever we want to be, that we can strive for excellence? And I think that uh, those are the two questions on the table. Uh, one other quick thing with the shootings this last weekend, President Trump is kicking around the word red flag bill. And we need to be very, very concerned about that. If you look at the red flag bill that was passed here in Colorado and was signed into law by Governor Polis, I think we all agree that we, we don't want crazy people to have guns. However, within that political arena, what has happened, if you look at our red flag bill, it has taken away due process. And due process is one of those hills that we have to die on as Americans. Because without due process, anybody can accuse anybody of anything without having to prove it. And government can come in. Right now they're talking about guns. But what if at some point somebody thinks that you're not parenting the correct way? Could government come in and kick in the door and take your kids? I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole slippery slope when we start to take away due process. So I'm a little concerned. I'm, I'm a little concerned about uh, uh, President Trump talking about red flag bills. And I submit to you that one of the reasons that we are in this particular spot where we are is because our society has gotten away from good manners, hard work, respect, the American idea that was embodied within our founders. And it's moved over to the uh, putting people in groups, and those groups are victims, and those groups can do whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do. I think that that is something that needs to be addressed before we, we talk about, quote unquote, rag, red flag bills that could take away our due process, because due process is a hill that we have to die on. Before we go to break and talk to Ron Stewart, I'm pleased to have on the line Jason McBride. You always have nuggets of wisdom. But there's a lot going on with China right now in devaluing their currency. What's up? Well, first let me say, Kim, I'd, I'd rather that crazy people have guns than crazy people in government have more power. Because which one do you think <laughs> is actually more dangerous? You know what? You nailed it. You're right. <laughs> so there we go. But, yeah, yesterday was quite an interesting day. In the markets, uh, the big headline news was that China devalued its currency, and that might have made uh, a lot of people think that they dropped it by, you know, 10, 20, 30 percent in one day. That's not what happened. Uh, China, for a long time, had kind of pegged their currency where uh, a dollar would buy no more than seven yuan. Yuan. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, yesterday, uh, China allowed their currency to float down in value to where a dollar could buy slightly more than seven. Uh, it's now coming back up a little bit today. Uh, China said that they just did it because of adjustments, this and that, but uh, I don't think anybody believes that, Kim. I mean, they're, they're trying to fight back uh, because the tariffs and some of the moves that Trump and the U.S. are making uh, to put pressure on them to get a trade deal that's fair. Let's be frank. They're working. It's, it's having an effect on their economy. Uh, I still think they need us a heck of a lot more than we need them, and I, I believe they did this in response to try to fight back. 
but it's not going to hurt us too much. It makes goods coming into the U.S. a little bit cheaper, which is not bad for our economy either. Well, and Trump nailed it. He said they were going to do this, right? Well, Trump has said China's a currency manipulator for many, many years. Uh, I know he's tried to stay away from the language while he's trying to negotiate a deal, which, I mean, I think it's smart. Uh, But yesterday he called him a currency manipulator, and and I agree. So uh, the market got smacked over 700 points. I think that was part of it. Uh, Today it looks like it's going to recover a little bit, at least on the open. But we may have a little more downside to go here, Kim, so just kind of keep a close eye on things. Well, fasten your seatbelts and call Jason McBride over at Presidential Wealth Management. That number is 303-694-1600. And check out chickspresidential.com. Jason, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Kim. We'll be right back with Ron Gallagher, or excuse me, Ron Stewart and the Gallagher Amendment. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do, as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person and children under 12 are free. Friday, August 2nd through Thursday, August 8th, features will include The Lion King, Toy Story 4, and Spider-Man Far From Home. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and the steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. I am thrilled to be having a conversation with Ron Stewart. He is a former state senator here in Colorado, and he was one of the architects with uh, Dennis Gallagher and Barbara Holm regarding the Gallagher Amendment that was put into the Colorado Constitution many years ago. Ron Stewart, welcome to the Americhicks. Good morning. It's great to have you. Uh, the Gallagher Amendment, uh, it's, uh, it's 
I think it's going to be under assault. And so I think it's important that people understand what it is. And uh, you and Dennis Gallagher and Barbara Holm, I think we're very uh, looking into the future to try to protect people from exorbitant property taxes when you put this in place. So why don't you explain what happened with the Gallagher Amendment? Okay, well, in the 1980s, when the Constitutional Amendment on Property Taxes was approved by the voters of Colorado, there was really a pretty significant tax revolt going on across Colorado because residential property taxes were skyrocketing. And one of the things that the amendment did was find a way um, so that those increases were not as significant on an annual basis. Um, And... Uh, the Gallagher Amendment um, was a way of keeping residential property taxes in check um, over in, in future years. Um, well, and that's uh, that was really important um, because a person's home, we're seeing across the country now, where uh, in different states that property taxes are so high that it's difficult for people to, to continue to live in their homes. Right. And uh, to me, uh, a home is such an essential, you know, the roof over your head, um, that it's it's appropriate to find a way to try to keep the tax on that home at a reasonable level. And, and also to be sure that all other kinds of property, um, commercial, industrial, oil and gas and all of that, um, pay a reasonable amount of property tax. And in the 80s, when this amendment was done, um, those kinds of property, commercial, industrial, oil and gas, agriculture, all of them together, were paying about 55% of um, property taxes in Colorado, and that's what they're paying now, um, which is exactly what was intended by um, the Gallagher Amendment. The Gallagher Amendment really says that re- the residential share of property taxes shouldn't increase over time, even as values change. Okay, and so the Gallagher Amendment, it's an amendment to the Constitution. Was that 1982 when that was passed, Ron? I, it was 1981 or 1982. Um, I, I don't recall. Right there at the beginning of the 80s, yeah. Okay, okay, and so it put in place this ratio of property taxes, of what commercial would pay for property taxes and what residential would, and that that uh, ratio is fifty five forty five, correct? Correct. Now, now here in two thousand nineteen, is that still the ratio that commercial pays fifty five percent and residential pays forty five percent? Yeah, it's roughly that. I mean, it may be off by one point or so, but it's roughly that. <clears throat> okay, and so in essence, the Gallagher Amendment has done what it was intended to do, and that is to keep property taxes reasonable so that the middle class, that hardworking, everyday Coloradan can afford their home. That's correct. Without the Gallagher Amendment, uh, uh, homeowners across Colorado could be paying twice or in some areas three times as much in property tax as they currently do. Well, and keeping property taxes low really allows people to have more money in their pockets so that they can they can take care of their families. They might start a business. They could take a vacation, go out to dinner. And so keeping those taxes low is actually an opportunity for them to enhance their lives. Well, it is, and it also affects, you know, who can buy a house. I mean, if you're, uh, you can only have a a payment that's so much compared to your total income, and if property taxes are a lot higher, you're not going to be able to have 
you know, some people aren't going to be able to have the kind of house that they currently have. So um, there's a lot of talk about affordability of housing, and I think um, the whole idea of trying to raise property taxes a lot uh, runs counter to that. Oh, that's, a, that's an excellent point. Now, I was at a meeting recently where someone said, hey, I've been in my home for over 20 years, and my property taxes have not gone up at all during that time. And I'm kind of scratching my house and my, my head thinking, well, if you want to pay more in property taxes, you probably could send that in if you wanted to. But why is that? And then I realized as we have more residential being built, then that means that that 45% tax burden is being spread over more people. And so that's why we've been able to keep those property taxes low. Right. There are more houses that have been built in the years since the beginning of the 80s, but there are also more businesses and commercial properties and all kinds of other properties in Colorado that have been built. So there are more people paying the 55 percent and there are more people paying the 45 percent. And frankly, you can't just any individual tax payer uh, may have a special circumstance which um, explains why their tax maybe didn't increase at all over the years, but um, that's not the, the rule. That's probably the exception. So um, I, I think that there can be that kind of anecdotal information out there like you heard that would say, well, my taxes haven't gone up, but I can say that mine have, you know, mm-hmm. so okay. even with the Gallagher Amendment in place. so. Well, and I think when we were preparing for this show, you had mentioned that some of your relatives back east were paying like $21,000 a year for their home in property well, I taxes. Mean, on, the, on the east coast, um, um, New Jersey, um, some other states on, on the east coast, uh, property taxes are incredibly high. Which is one of the reasons why the the Tax Reform Act last year tax um, cut, so-called tax cut um, that was passed on a national level, was so unpopular in some states because it eliminated the de- uh, deductibility of a lot of that property tax uh, from uh, federal income tax income. Okay, so people are were able to actually deduct that high amount of property taxes from their uh, their federal tax bill, income right. tax bill. So, okay, so that's why you had people in these high high tax states that were were um, making a lot of noise about it. I guess Correct. would be the word to Correct. say. Okay, now let's talk a little bit about the the commercial tax base. Uh, some some of the reasons or some of the things that people are saying about Gallagher is what has happened is the the uh, percentage that of the assessed valuation that is used for the calculation for uh, residential property, that percentage has moved down as we've had you know more and more residential property come come um, you know be built, and that that and, and it's really more because residential property has inflated so quickly. That's really what has caused the assessment oh. ratio to go down. It's it's not that there are more properties so much. It's that residential property has inflated at such a rapid level. Um, you, you think about what a house, an average house um, in um, South Denver might have been or in Aurora might have been worth in 1981 versus what it's worth today. And there's an astronomical increase. Um, and 
you know, I mean, it could be three times as much. The value of that house could be three times as much. So that's really what has driven down the assessment ratio. As the value of houses has um, kind of gone through the roof, so to speak, um, the assessment ratio has gone down so that the tax hasn't also um, increased that rapidly. Okay. Now, over on the commercial side, you hear people opine that, well, this isn't fair, that the residential has a 7% assessed or uh, doing 7% of the assessed rate, where businesses or commercial is around 29%. And so they're saying, that's not fair. So how would you respond to that, Ron Stewart? Well, I would respond by saying, number one, um, your house is an essential part of, of life. Um, a roof over your head is an essential part of life, and it's appropriate for it to be taxed differently than the kind of property that produces um, profits and income. And um, I would also say that just when you look at other kinds of taxes, for instance, the state sales tax, we don't charge a, a sales tax on food or uh, prescription drugs because they, too, are essential. Um, and yet we charge a sales tax on almost everything else. So there are always differences. And even in the property tax, um, it isn't just the residential assessment rate that's different, um, that's uh, given sort of a, a, a boost. Uh, there are all kinds of tax breaks in the property tax law for various kinds of commercial and, and industrial property that also give benefits. Um, it, it's easy to just focus on the residential assessment ratio and say, oh, gee, that's unfair. But what people don't do is to realize that there are all kinds of other tax breaks and loopholes and that sort of thing that are built into the property tax system that gives other kinds of property um, benefits as well. Okay. And, you know, many times I've seen, I sat on city council of Lone Tree for four years, and some of these economic development packages that are put in place actually give businesses breaks on different taxes. So I think it's an important point that you make that, uh, you know, we're not really comparing apples to apples and when we're talking about commercial versus residential. And also, Ron Stewart, as you mentioned, you know, a roof over your head is, is essential. And so we don't want to get property taxes so high so that people have a difficult time keeping a roof over their head. So well, let's go to break. This is a fascinating conversation. We're talking with Ron Stewart. He's a former Colorado state senator who he and Barbara Holm and Dennis Gallagher were the architects of the Gallagher Amendment, which was put in place in the Colorado Constitution in the early 80s to protect everyday hardworking people from exorbitant property taxes. So we're going to go to break and we'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers with GUR, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping Golden Retrievers find their forever homes. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, We'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. 
Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. I am thrilled to be talking with Ron Stewart. He is a former Colorado State Senator and one of the architects of the Gallagher Amendment, which was put in place in the early 80s to protect everyday hardworking Coloradans from exorbitant property taxes. So, Ron, give us a little history on what happened, because you and Dennis Gallagher and Barbara Holm are all Democrats, and here you are advocating for lower taxes. Tell us about that. Well, and actually, I think what we were advocating uh, for was for fairness in taxes. Um, and uh, But at the beginning of the 80s, um, Colorado, as well as other states around the nation, was experiencing a significant property tax revolt. And there were some states like California that had just passed a constitutional amendment that was an initiative um, that um, kind of froze property taxes. And th- that initiative is still in place in California, actually. Um, and th- so there was a lot of concern in the Colorado legislature um, that we not that we avoid that kind of um, thing in Colorado, that we find some um, approach to property taxes that would um, make people more satisfied with the property tax system um, than they would have been if taxes kept skyrocketing as they were at the time. We we literally would. We'd come back from a weekend at the legislature, and some of our colleagues would have been out at, in uh, uh, town hall meetings in uh, Jefferson County and Arapahoe County and El Paso County, and they would have had three, four, five, six hundred people there um, all upset because of the tax increases they were seeing. So uh, there was a mood to do something about the property tax in Colorado, and uh, not to do it just about one class of property, but to try to put something in the Constitution that would affect all classes of property and be permanent. And that's um, so that was the mood of the legislature. That's why um, there was an interest in doing something. And frankly, because we were putting a constitutional amendment on the ballot, um, we uh, as Democrats, we were then in the minority party in the Senate um, and in the House in Colorado. the uh, majority party had to have some some of our votes in order to get the two-thirds majority needed in order to put a constitutional amendment on the ballot. And and the Gallagher Amendment was one of the things that we proposed as a way of getting our support for the bill. Okay. Well, and uh, and it seems to me like it's done a lot of really good... It's doing what it's supposed to be doing, and that is um, have a fair tax base, and also it has kept property taxes to a point where people hopefully are not getting priced out of their homes. Of course, we're having assessed valuations go up, and so that means typically taxes can go up just because of the increased value. But let's talk about you know, what is, quote-unquote, wrong with Gallagher, why there are people that want to get rid of it. They say that it's not fair, that uh, commercials at this 29 percent, uh, percentage that they pay on their assessed um, valuation and 7% on residential. They say that out in the rural 
uh, Colorado that, that this is actually affecting uh, essential services. How would you respond to that, Ron Stewart? Well, I would say that uh, since the uh, time this was passed, um, we have recognized that it could always be made better. I mean, things uh, aren't uh, aren't perfect when they begin. So uh, from the beginning, Dennis and Barbara and I and others have um, kind of offered ideas whenever complaints have come out about particular parts of the amendment. The, the complaint that um, we were hearing most about a year or so ago was that um, some rural fire districts were having difficulty with uh, this and that other governments in rural Colorado were having trouble with it. And the reason is that there are some parts of Colorado where residential property values have not increased all that much. Um, where residential values have gone up tend to be along the front range in the Denver area, Colorado Springs, Fort Collins, and in the ski areas of Colorado. But the rest of Colorado has really not experienced very much in the way of residential value increases. Um, a home in some parts of Colorado isn't worth a whole lot more than it would have been in the mid-'80s. Um, and but even in those areas, res, uh, when the residential assessment ratio d- decreases, you end up having residential property uh, paying less. So in those those kinds of places, rural Colorado, where in, uh, property values aren't increasing all that much, uh, you have actually people paying less um, per year uh, for their house than they might have paid uh, the year before or five years before. So. Um, There are ways of taking care of that. Um, The approach that we have been advocating in the last six months or so would say that um, the uh, a reduction of the residential assessment rate, in other words, um, the percentage of your property that's subject to tax, would only be effective in those places where income, where uh, the value of residential property is increasing rapidly and not in areas where it isn't. So that would be um, a more surgical way of dealing with the, the kind of problems that some people have been raising about Gallagher rather than throwing the whole thing out. And I think uh, there are some people who want to get rid of Gallagher just to totally get rid of it and to um, let residential pay more and to let business pay less. There are some people who are on that side. But others, for instance, the rural fire districts and rural uh, governments are are um, if they they have a legitimate point. There's a way uh, to deal with their legitimate point without throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Okay, and so, Ron, this is this is complicated, and I think I need to have you walk this through me through one more time. So, in rural Colorado, because first of all, with the Gallagher Amendment, it takes the the assessment rate of all the property in Colorado. So that that ratio is fifty five forty five between commercial and residential. So you have, as you mentioned, areas where property values are um, growing, they're, they're getting higher. But out in rural Colorado, that is not the case. So there is this adjustment, this, this ratcheting down of that percentage uh, of the assessment rate because of all this uh, appreciation in the front range. But that means that that is ratcheted down also in rural Colorado, where they have not seen the appreciation of the properties. And so that's where then does commercial have to step in and pay a bigger share? Is that what the, is that what the question is? 
Well, I guess, um, yeah, in those kinds of places, if if the, the, all of the homes in, let's say, in Kiowa County, um, if they uh, if they used to pay 20% of the tax, they may now only pay 10% of the tax. Um, so farms and uh, commercial and industrial would be paying more, which is why I say uh, don't don't then don't reduce the assessment ratio in those kind of places. Uh, leave the assessment ratio where it is. Uh, let homes continue to pay the share that they are paying because Gallagher really was intended only to impact uh, or, or to, Gallagher was intended to impact um, values when values are going up or residential property when values are going up. It was not intended um, to reduce residential taxes um, when values aren't going up. And it was just, this is just kind of an unintended consequence of looking at something on a statewide basis um, and, and um, not really uh, zeroing in on what the impact could be in, in individual places. So the, the solution that we're suggesting really um, tries to say that yes, in the areas where there's high value increases, continue to have the Gallagher Amendment um, take place um, and be effective. But in those areas where values aren't increasing, leave um, the assessment ratio where it is now. Okay. And in order to do that, though, that would be a constitutional amendment to have to do that. In order to do anything, really, with Gallagher, it's a constitutional amendment. Okay. Because it's in the Constitution now, and so to change it, you're going to have to um, go back and ask the voters of Colorado what what they want to do. And, um, you know, there was one attempt in um, the early t- uh, 2000s um, to change uh, the Gallagher Amendment. Um, there were some legislators who thought that, um, you know, this inequity you've been talking about, the difference between the assessment ratio on uh, you know, residential and all other classes, that the public would certainly do away with that. And they put it on the ballot, and they got about 24% of the vote. So, you know, three Coloradans uh, voted against that idea for everyone who voted to change it. Um, and I, I think it, it, it's a statement about the fact that people in Colorado um, appreciate uh, the way that their taxes have been protected over over the years, and I don't think they're going to be interested in changing it um, to allow for much higher increases. Okay, one quick last question then. I don't know if it's a quick answer, but how would you say that TABOR, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, and Gallagher interface? What's your thoughts about that? Well, um, in that small rural county that we just talked about before, um, Tabor, what they would have done when residential values went down, they would have raised their mill levy um, and they would have kept their tax collections at the same level. After Tabor, they couldn't do that because um, raising a mill levy uh, under Tabor is a tax increase which requires a public vote. So Tabor did affect um, uh, the way that Gallagher operates in perhaps a way in a way that was never um, intended because uh, Tabor wasn't in the Constitution then. So there have been impacts. 
but but as I um, have just indicated in this other idea we now have, there are other ways to deal with that. Okay, very good. Uh, former State Senator Ron Stewart, one of the architects of the Gallagher Amendment. First of all, I want to say thank you uh, for, for doing this, the Gallagher Amendment, but also thank you for joining me because it's so important that people understand these these kind of complicated issues but ultimately what it's done is it's been able to to help people stay in their homes to have lower property taxes and just uh, thank you so much i appreciate you shedding light on this well, thank you okay and our quote for today is from arthur godfrey he was an actor back in the 60s he said i am proud to be paying taxes in the united states the only thing is is i could be just as proud for half the money So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. And I don't want no one to cry, but tell them if I don't serve.